Hey, this is Jason from Slapdash, and this episode is sponsored by 606 Iron, located in the Big M Plaza in Whitley City, Kentucky. 606 Iron has cardio equipment, free weights, numerous weight training machines, weekly kettlebell classes, and tanning beds. Stop by 606 Iron for membership information or call 606 310 4918. History, art, science, and everything else. They slap down a new topic and dash off to next. It's a great big world with so much to know, like cryptids, time travel, and the history of Poe. If you want to be a smarty, better learn something fast with Shannon and Jason on Slapdash Podcast. In today's episode, we are discussing the history of vampires in film. Across from me is a dapper, suave gentleman who, strangely enough, is only seen at night. Count Deaton. How are you on this dark and foggy night, sir? Blah. <laughs> What's it? Blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, you, you failed to mention, I also live on the proverbial house on the hill. Oh yeah, that's that's well, that, an important part of my gimmick. We well, can't forget that. No, that, that's a must. With, with always a sort of a uh, perpetual bat hovering over a big full moon. Oh, right, yeah. that just sort of stays like, like almost like the Batman symbol. Also right? have a house servant who you know is kind of hunched over. <laughs> Yeah. answers to Igor yeah. greetings <laughs> that's awesome man I'm doing well you doing okay I, I am doing well so uh, do you do you like vampires <laughs> let's get right into do, it do you like the idea of vampires <laughs> I like vampires in film right now as far as like real life vampires I <laughs> have yet to meet one you but don't want one like, man, like uh, the night is young tapping on your window or anything <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> that that is probably the creepiest scene and we'll get to How, it but yeah I, I know what movie you have yeah, all right so that there are many a monster in movie history, but none are as popular or have forever influenced pop culture like the vampire. You agree with that? I think that's right. Yep. <laughs> we all know what vampires are, but when you actually take a few moments and consider how vampires have been portrayed in film and how that has changed over the years, that's actually pretty interesting. So uh, we thought the best way to do this was to uh, pick uh, approximately 10 vampire movies, right? And that obviously these are what you would say would be good movies. Yeah. Right? They're, they're entertaining, but also relevant to the topic from a historical point of view, or at least something that's important to the vampire world in regard to how how are the the character of of the vampire you know as, as it's portrayed right because they've guess. changed over the years yeah and we're, and we're going to get into a lot of that as we, as we go so I believe that we have arranged our movies uh, chronologically I believe in order uh, that they debuted so Shannon I think you're going to start us off going back to the 1920s I think let's head back to a film called Nosferatu you ever heard of this one oh that's is it also for me too. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's for you too. It's for me too. It's right. for everybody. All right. Uh, Nosferatu, also called a symphony of horror. I didn't know that. It's got like a subtitle. I didn't it. know that. Yeah. yeah, but it makes sense because it's a 1922 silent German expressionist horror film, and being silent, of course, it had a lot of musical orchestral type stuff to it, and apparently a, a symphony of horror. As a matter of wow. fact, it stars Count Orlock, a vampire with an interest in both a new residence and the wife of his estate agent. Uh oh. So, so what do you make of that? Always real estate going on. And <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about these early movies with, with vampires and how they were sort of either like a specifically based or somewhat based on Bram Stoker's, you know, novel. But uh yeah, always real estate going on for vampires. I don't know what, what the big deal is about that. <laughs> they don't live in caves, apparently. Nope. They like fine real estate, upper class real yep. estate, up on the hill, you know, with the moon overshadowing. Preferably like a castle. Yeah, that's that's perfect. So the film is an unauthorized and unofficial adaptation of Bram Stoker's 1897 novel Dracula. And yes, I mean, if you've read Dracula, if you know anything about the story, this is exactly just a, a, a retelling of that entire story. <laughs> Various names and other details were changed from the novel, including Count Dracula being renamed Count Orlock to avoid copyright issues. Even with so many of the details of the film altered, Jason, the Stoker family sued over the ad adaptation, and all copies of the film were ordered to be destroyed. But that didn't really happen. 
Right. As you can imagine. As history would have it, several copies of the film survived, and it has since come to be regarded as an influential masterpiece of cinema. Have you ever seen this one or, or seen pieces of it? I, I've seen pieces of it. I've never watched it from, from beginning to end. Yeah. Uh, but it's really interesting to just watch it. It is. Because obviously uh, you're, you're, you're listening to the music, right? And obviously black and white. Mm-hmm. And it's so bizarre to watch a movie that's now almost 100 years old. It doesn't even really look like a movie anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so different. The camera, and obviously the quality of the cameras and all that, I mean, we understand that's better. But just everything about like what's perceived as creepy. You know, <laughs> it's almost like a semi-joke to go back and watch it now. But back then, I'm sure it was like, this is a symphony of horror <laughs> or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Well, this being one of the first horror movies you know, in, oh, yeah. in practicality, it, it stands for reason that you could just about put anything on the screen and people are going to say, now that's scary. Right. You know, <laughs> nowadays, you, you got to go a little bit farther into yeah. the psychology of things. Oh, you know, yeah. Before people get creeped out. Yeah. But this film was released in the U.S. in 1929, seven years after its original premiere in Germany. And the plot is fairly straightforward and does mirror what we see in Bram Stoker's Dracula. The mysterious Count Orlock summons Thomas Hutter which sounds a whole lot like the main character um, of Dracula. What was his name? Jonathan Harker. Harker, yeah. Yeah. So we've got Hutter here, (laughs) Thomas Hutter. Uh, (laughs) So so Orlock calls him up to his remote Transylvanian castle in the mountains. I I, I love where this is going. Okay, (laughs) I think I've read this. Sounds familiar. (laughs) The eerie Orlock seeks to buy a house near Hutter and his wife, Ellen, after Orlock reveals his vampire nature, and I mean, come on, if you want to look this movie up and take a look at this guy, you don't have to say, hey, buddy, I'm a vampire. <laughs> no. This guy's a weird-looking cat. You party, <laughs> The moment you walk in said castle, you know you're in the home of a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't take very long. No. Hutter struggles to escape the castle, knowing that Ellen is in grave danger. Meanwhile, Orlock's servant, Nock, not Igor, but Nock, <laughs> Uh, what was his name? Renfield, maybe? Renfield. Uh, Renfield yeah. in the yeah. Dracula account, but it's Nock in this one. Huh. Uh, he prepares for his master to arrive at his new home. Pretty, pretty straightforward plot. He, he kidnaps the man and says, well, I'm going to go visit your wife, buddy. Uh, have fun here with Nock. <laughs> right? Well, I guess Nock goes ahead, so I guess he's by himself. Yeah. I don't know. But the, the vampire depiction here is kind of weird. It's not like modern-day vampires that you can imagine. He's depicted as being bald with long elven ears bushy eyebrows, circular eyes with dark circles underneath, and two fangs protruding from the top of his mouth. I mean, he's not trying to hide it. This guy no. is Count Chocula. Yeah, I mean, when you walk in and you're like, hey, let's let's do a business deal. It's not like that you're, something's different about this guy. No, I mean, he looks like a monster. He's a monster. I mean, yeah. He's not a regular dude. He also has these long pointed fingers that look like jagged claws. I mean, they're probably like twice the length. <laughs> of normal fingers just seeing that alone is enough to just send somebody screaming into the night it's crazy here's a fun fact about this particular uh, movie jason when i was in fourth grade i created a scary movie magazine (laughs) because i was a fun kid Back, back in the day. We've told some stories on here, but I created a scary movie magazine made out of notebook paper. I drew the cover. I had all these illustrations inside. I wrote some stories about, you know, scary movies and did some reviews. That's things. awesome. Just out, you know, just so, just because. So I did. this is coming from the same author who who uh, drew like the uh, Joe Camel cartoon when he's in the hospital <laughs> bed with a with a cigarette. Uh, the very same. That's that one's probably what I'm best known for. Uh, but yeah, in this magazine that I created, there were trivia questions that asked who the first on-screen vampire was. The answer, of course, was Count Orlock, and I had never seen the movie, but I'd read the fact in a library book and added it to my magazine. <laughs> Look at you. I know, man. Look how far I've come. That's awesome. And, and of course, I guess that all these years later, and maybe in some weird way, inspired interest in this podcast that's episode. That's kind of what we're doing that's right now. That's what we're doing, yeah. So it all started with Nosferatu, but that's not where it would end because vampires in cinema would carry forward forever and ever, right? Oh, no. Yeah, so, absolutely. So what's up next? So Universal Pictures produced Dracula in 1931 
uh, starring Bella Lugosi. And the movie was based on Bram Stoker's 1897 novel. Uh, however, Universal gained permission to use the storyline, something that the folks who made Nosferatu failed to do, right. which led to copyright infringement. <laughs> mm. so, so the family was okay with the, this one. The though. family was like, uh, hey, we're going to do things on the uh, on the up and up here. So, oh, okay. Cool. Uh, the movie followed the plot from the book where Count Dracula, uh, an aristocrat from Transylvania, makes his way to England in search of love. But things go badly. Dr. Van Helsing shows up along with a few more key characters, and ultimately Dracula is killed. I love that he's in search of love. In, in, in all the wrong places, as <laughs> the, song, the, wrong places. the song says. Yeah. Uh, this particular Dracula movie was pretty much Vampire 1.0 regarding how vampires would appear in movies for the next several decades, in fact. Uh, from this point forward, vampires were cast as rich, mysterious aristocrats from Eastern Europe who did have fangs but did not turn into a monstrous creature, at least in terms of appearance. So for a long time, you know, you would see the teeth, right? right. But no like facial reconstruction, like all of a sudden like they're transforming into something else. So fingers in normal proportion, yeah, they, not they, the nine-inch fingers. <laughs> no, okay. no, not not the Orlock <laughs> fingers. You know, they they look really you know normal. I mean, they they look human except for all of a sudden I have fangs now, right? Right. So, uh, but that would change though in years uh, as as the years went on. Even the death scenes uh, in these early vampire movies were very mild, very little blood, and these early vampires operated much more like a uh, a tactician. You know, it was almost like strategic, just very strategic and almost like I'm not killing just a killing like, you know, I'm killing you because you're in my way or I'm hungry, but I'm not just like a madman going nuts. Right. So <laughs> they, they had some decorum. About they had <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there. There was some, there was some vampiric decorum back in the 1930s. Yeah, they, they, they wore monocles and top hats. <laughs> they weren't your your crazy vampires. Now, these guys were pretty sane. They just knew they had to eat sometimes. That's right. Here, here. So uh, bring me your veins. <laughs> Uh, the, the 1931 Dracula might be the most influential vampire movie in history, but even this film was not free from censorship. Some sounds were deleted from the movie, such as Dracula's moans as he is dying, <laughs> which is funny, and the screams of the character known as Renfield huh. as he is killed. They were also removed on the basis of both sounds being too disturbing. Wow. Too disturbing. So just, just the sounds of them just, you know, getting ready to die and screaming and moaning and groaning, and they thought that was just a little bit too much. So, so we've come they, a long way in terms they, of what's allowed. Yeah. I always have the, the funny image of like, well, that screams a little too loud, and then I just think of Saul. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Did he moan when he died? <laughs> Do I take it off? It's like in the Jason movies we talked about a couple <laughs> weeks ago. The guy's just like, he's killing me. <laughs> He won't stop. Yeah, maybe you're allowed to say that. You just can't moan about it. <laughs> yeah. uh, finally, there, there was there was an actual scene removed as well. And so, Shannon, I don't get this one. All, All right, right. I, this this is news to me. I didn't know this. And this is censorship. This is censorship. Okay. And I did not know, but this is truth. All right, this is fact. But I did not know this. But at the end of the movie, Universal had a gentleman appear on screen and speak directly to the viewers. Okay, so the movie just ended. Guy walks out, sort of like a Rod Serling. I was going to say, is it yeah. Rod Serling? It wasn't Rod Serling, but it's kind of along those same, same lines. Same thing. Yeah. All right. So he was not an actor in the movie, but did communicate to the viewers directly after the movie. The following lines are what he said, and these were deemed to be inappropriate as they seemed to encourage the belief in the supernatural. <laughs> and the rest of the movie <laughs> no, did, though. No, right? we just watched an entire Dracula movie, right? Sure. Okay, so, I'm curious. What, okay. What's he say? Well, I mean, it's it's not that much. You're going to be kind of shocked, right? But, okay. okay. I've got my so, band hammer ready. That I'm ready, ready to, to censor this. I may have to censor this from the podcast. Okay. We'll, well, we'll see how it goes. I will give it a try. Here All we right, go. Go for it. Quote, just a moment, ladies and gentlemen, a word <laughs> before you go. We hope the memories of Dracula and Renfield won't give you bad dreams. So just a word of reassurance. When you get home tonight, and the lights have been turned out, and you are afraid to look behind the curtains, and you dread to see a face appear at the window, why, just pull yourself together and remember that, after all, there are such things as vampires. See, that that end, was end quote proverbial, you know, nail in the coffin, as it were. Oh, no, that's good. You can't go there. Yeah, stake in the, co- stake in like the heart. Stake right? in yeah. the heart, yeah. Wow, so that was inappropriate? That was, that was pulled. 
that that huh. was that was in the original uh, film, but it was pulled uh, shortly just uh, thereafter because they thought that I guess went over the top in regard to promoting the belief in the supernatural. So that whole part is the whole hypnotizing whole gone, turning yeah. into a bat and kidnapping people. Gone. That that's cool. Yep. Right, we can do that. Yeah, we just yeah. can't. Say. That doesn't promote the belief in the supernatural. <laughs> At the end, we just but just can't a regular say, dude uh, talking about it. Right. Does. <laughs> Watch out for these things now because they're real. Uh oh, you gotta you gotta back off that a little People bit. People just scream. <laughs> Censor him. <laughs> All right, so we we've had Orlock and Nosferatu with his eight foot long fingers. Now we have Bella Lugosi and Dracula, a little bit more, or actually a lot more normal looking. You know, very uh, dapper European yeah. gentleman who is uh, you know coming to take your woman. All right, seems if, like a if nice you're Jonathan guy, Harker or whatever. Really, yeah. yeah. So what do we have now? Where where does the vampire world go from here? Well, it's gonna sound like a broken record almost because this next film was very much inspired by everything that came before it. Jason, it is a film or rather a mini series called Salem's Lot. You heard of Salem's oh, Lot? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm actually a fan of Salem's Lot. <laughs> I like Some it. people aren't, but I am. Yeah, I, I really like the book. I also like the miniseries. Salem's Lot, also known as Salem's Lot the movie, Salem's Lot the miniseries, or simply Bloodthirst. <laughs> Wow. Because it must have just been... Uh, <laughs> just got tired of Salem's Lot. Just got, go right to it, right? Yeah, they, they just jumped in there. Creative license and all that. Yep. But it is a 1979 miniseries television adaptation of the 1975 horror novel of the same name by Stephen King. And we've talked about this before on the podcast. Oh, yes. I think we covered Stephen King last year and went to a great lot of detail yep. about this particular film, more so on the book, I suppose. But the plot concerns a writer who returns to his hometown and discovers that its citizens are turning into vampires. Salem's Lot combines elements of the vampire film and haunted house subgenres of horror. And Jason, the vampire depiction here is pretty much a knockoff of Nosferatu. So we've yeah. backed off of the whole Dracula thing and we've went back to vampires are just flat out evil. They're mean. And I remember, I, I don't know if Stephen King put this in his book on writing. What's it called? Like sort of like a biographic uh, slash writer's help book called On Writing. Yes. Very yeah. famous. Right. Uh, very popular. At some point, Stephen King has been quoted as saying that he really just despised the the modern look of vampires. He grew up with those uh, old EC comic horror type depictions yeah. of, of vampires that just would tear your throat out, man. Right. They weren't really worried about who they, your wife they, was. They were and, animals. Yeah, right. Yeah. And what the best cost of real estate was <laughs> right. in the neighborhood. They, they were more concerned with, yeah, just being animalistic monsters. And that's what he wanted to return to in Salem's Lot. But the central vampire depicted in the film named Kurt Barlow, the proverbial vampire on the hill, quite literally, yep. in this sense, is depicted identically to Count Orlock from Nosferatu. The producer of the film, Richard Kobritz, said the following about the vampire's depiction in the film. Quote, We went back to the old German Nosferatu concept, where he is the essence of evil, and not anything romantic or smarmy, or you know, the rouge-cheeked, widow-peaked Dracula. I wanted nothing suave, because I just didn't think it'd work. We've seen too much of it. The other thing we did with the character, which I think is an improvement, is that Barlow does not speak. When he's killed at the end, he obviously emits sounds, but it's not even a full line of dialogue, in contrast to the book in the first draft of the screenplay. I just thought it would be suicidal on our part to have a vampire that talks. What kind of voice do you put behind a vampire? You can't do Bella Lugosi, or you're going to get a laugh. You can't do Reagan and the Exorcist, or you're going to get something that's unintelligible. And besides, you've been there before. End quote. So I appreciate that they try to do something different, but... I mean, it is such a throwback to Nosferatu. If you look at the two side by oh, side, yeah. they're identical. Yeah, they're pretty much twins. I like the fact that he didn't speak, though. I guess that was a little bit different. Mm -hmm. We had the suave vampires in the past, but with this one, he's more just, to hey. himself. Yeah, he's just—he's <laughs> literally the blue, yeah, you know, sort of vampire. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of pops out. Those are the, the scary corner. ones. <laughs> I'm gonna get you, but he doesn't say that. He's just blue, <laughs> and apparently, he he makes some. Um, sort of guttural sounds is that the word I, I forget the language they it says he obviously emits sounds but it's not a full line of dialogue you know it's it's interesting they didn't have to censor those sounds <laughs> that guy's being one, too creepy one, one too many blood right so jason any, any thoughts on salem's lot i know one thing that sticks out to me is the scene where the little boy oh. turns into a vampire and he floats in front of the window to yeah. get his friend yeah 
That's that's scary. That is that's for, for me. That's definitely the creepiest, scariest part of of that movie. And when I think of all vampire movies and like what's the the big scene, and that's not really a big scene. Like it's not a a kill. Even I don't think it's not like a bloody scene. Uh, but that one really just it's creepy. It just kind of always stays in my mind about being one of the the wildest most memorable scenes in any vampire movie i think the fact that it's a kid Mm -hmm. the fact that he's just sort of floating and and it looks it looks fake i mean you know how they've made it but that somehow made it creepy like when you go back and watch it today i don't know it but that's that's a really interesting scene it's not cgi it's just a kid hanging there i guess on a wire or something yeah Seems like, and I might be making this up, but it seems like I remember him like putting his hand on the window, yeah, sorta, and something about that too, because there's this whole notion in vampire culture that a vampire cannot enter right. a house without being invited, yeah. and I think we'll get more into that with another movie that even further popularized that idea here toward the end. Yeah, but just the idea that the kid—I mean, because it's it's such a juvenile thing to have this kid who is already a monster floating outside and to prey on the innocence of his friend to just say, "Hey, Billy." You know, come open the window. Can I come inside? Let's yeah. play. And and to know that the kid is just so innocent, you know, and, and the kid who's still the living boy <laughs> comes to the window and he's like, what, what, Billy, you know, why are you floating outside my window? He's like, well, let me come in and we'll talk about it. And he's like, oh, well, come on in. And and just, you know, I mean, yeah. that's just creepy. Man. Yeah, that's that's scary on a whole other level. But again, Vampire movies don't end here. They keep developing. They keep evolving. And I think up next, we have a movie called Fright Night. Is that right? Oh, yeah. So Fright Night debuted in 1985. And Shannon, this one actually scared me when I was a little kid. Uh, I was in elementary school when this came out. And this presented a whole other take on on vampires, uh, at least to me. In this particular movie, a vampire literally moves into suburbia next door to this high school kid. And he just does what vampires do. Right. I mean, he just kind of he comes out at night. He starts killing people. And the vampire's name in this movie is Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds so normal, right? That's fine. It's my neighbor, Jerry. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Michael Myers, Michael, Jason Voorhees, Jason. I mean, (laughs) but for some reason, a vampire named Jerry. Jerry. Well, yeah, yeah. it's a little bit different. I don't know. But but Jerry kind of seems like a normal guy. uh, But but the kid next door begins to notice some really strange things. People go missing. He starts seeing sort of like what might be like bodies being taken out of the house at night. And and Fright Night, in many ways, is a more modern version of Dracula, as there are uh, many more similarities to the storylines other than just the vampire himself, right? So you have someone that comes in, moves in. Mm-hmm. He also has a caretaker. You know, there's, there's definitely some similarities there. You always have to have that caretaker. Right. Because you can't go out in the sunlight. Yeah. So you can't do things like check your mail, mailbox, no. or pay your bills. Only at night. Only at night, yeah. Uh, if, you know, however, Fright Night made the likelihood of vampires being on your street much more likely. I mean, it made it kind of seem real, right? It's mm-hmm. one thing if, if they're in a castle in Eastern Europe. It's another thing if they're on Oak Street. <laughs> you know, like, you know, 2904 Oak Street, and there it is. There's Jerry the Vampire. Doing, the, doing his vampire thing. That's exactly right. Yeah. And and also in this movie, Jerry does transform into this hideous monster, uh, which is one of the first times that we see a true, quote, monster vampire uh, on screen. And in this movie, this also plays into some of the, the vampire myth about being invited into the house. Right. I think the kid next door's name's Charlie, mm-hmm. and so Charlie, you know, he 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 gets wise, right? He understands what he is, and he starts to seek some assistance and so forth, and so he starts getting the garlic and and doing all this and and trying to convince his mom, and and then he runs downstairs and he sees Jerry's already in the house, oh, and no. his mom's already. He goes, "Well, yeah, I invited him in, or or whatever," and he just sort of drops his head. Yeah. You know, he, he's here to help you with your vampire problem, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 he sure is. He's an expert, he says. And you know this this movie, uh, I don't know if you can recall the like the uh the uh, image on on the box i guess what it would have been the the uh, vhs tape at the time i do remember this you know it was it's, there's a picture of like obviously like a, a face of a vampire with big long protruding fangs but it looks more like they're in like a cloud almost mm-hmm. it's sort of it's kind of floating above the house uh but i don't know to me fright night was actually one of the more scary vamp uh, one of the more scarier vampire uh 
movies, at least in my opinion. This is the vampire, the introduction of vampires that can live next door. Right, yep. Just and, like and, you said. And that's what's scary about it is that this one wasn't like, you know, this one just literally moved in right beside of you. And he's mm-hmm. just going to do whatever he wants to do. And to me, that's that's kind of scary. That's that's along the same lines of Michael Myers, just, you know, a mass murderer, right? And <laughs> just grilling out next door. Just grilling out next door. <laughs> just right? waving. Yeah. Hey, family. Yeah, he's coming <laughs> to suburbia. I'm, I'm going to do my thing. And, you know, maybe one day I might go kill you. Maybe I won't. I don't know. I just Depends I don't know if there'll be enough time. Yeah, just <laughs> I'll check my calendar see, yeah. see if i need to pencil anything in for <laughs> so that, that that's what really scares me about fright night is it just seems so like common and, and kind of crazy but also like feasible yeah. that, that that would happen i'm like well, what would you do if you really if you were charlie and you looked at and you saw this and then you realized this guy's an actual vampire and he's beside i don't know what i would do you know and i think that's what that's what makes the movie effective yeah i wonder what constitutes a house and i know this is getting kind of philosophical so like whenever you invite the vampire in like is there some way to reverse that by like putting up a new door for example or yeah putting a fresh coat of paint (laughs) well you know what what makes the difference between yeah what's like the difference between i can go in here versus now i can't anymore right i'd figure that out you know in in the the uh the remake of fright night all right. Uh, he he's basically asking to come in, and I think in this, I think in that movie, they don't invite him in. It seems like, mm-hmm. and he so so in in that movie, Charlie looks outside and he sees the vampire ripping out the gas lines in the backyard, and he's just sort of like walking in circles around the house and the the front yard <laughs> to the backyard, and then he obviously he's trying to get in. They won't let him. They won't invite him in. So he's like, I'll show you, and he literally just digs into the ground with like these claws coming out of his hands, and he rips the gas lines up and then lights it and oh then you know the house catches on fire and then they come out and then well, he bet. goes he goes and gets them it's it's crazy yeah that is wild well so we've got the idea of the vampire living next door right right so this was even furthered in a movie called the lost boys have you heard mm-hmm. of this one one of my favorites yeah it's a very cool movie the lost boys is a 1987 teen comedy horror film directed by joel schumacher the title <laughs> of the movie is a reference to the lost boys in jm barry's stories about peter pan and neverland who like the vampires never grow up and the plot's straightforward we've covered this one before as well on our uh, history of 80s movies if you haven't checked that one out that's a good episode, I like too. That one. Uh, but teenage brother Michael and Sam move with their mother to a small town in Northern California. While the younger Sam meets a pair of kindred spirits in geeky comic book nerds Edward and Alan, the angst ridden Michael soon falls for a girl named Star, who turns out to be under the control of David, the leader of a group of vampires. The remainder of the movie involves Sam and his new friends attempting to save Michael and Star from the undead. It's, um, uh, it's cool. I, I mean, oh, it's, I, this it's, is the first vampire movie I can call cool. Yes, I think. it's 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 a very cool movie. It, it's a good movie. You know, it's one of those that has sort of a, a cult following you know, sure. with it, uh, just like the one I want to talk about here just in a few moments. Mm-hmm. Joel Schumacher is one of those directors, like in my opinion, that has has done some really good things. This is one. You know, he almost destroyed the Batman franchise. You know, <laughs> when, when he t- when he, when he took that over. But Lost Boys is is absolutely. One of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah. I called it a comedy film, but I think like black comedy is, is more appropriate. Just the idea that uh, it's it's funny, but like in a demented sort of macabre yeah. sort of way. Yeah. You know, it's it's not it's not like Adam Sandler. No. Obviously, but there's there's things that happen that's kind of like, that's kind of weird, but I, it's also kind of funny in a weird sort of demented right. kind of way. I, I think that one of the... Uh the uh, scariest parts of that movie is the, the uh, right before the the gang kind of uh, basically reveals themselves to Michael that they are vampires, right? He knows they're different somehow. Sure. Uh, but he's not really seen anything definitive to, to prove that. And they're all sort of like just in this tree mm-hmm. and they're kind of hanging out and they're looking out on a beach, sort of. And they see some people down there like, uh, you know, they have uh, built a bonfire and they're kind of, you know, just walking around. And then all of a sudden there's this really weird whistling sound and, you know, the camera pans back and and, and then Michael's just alone in the tree. And like all of a sudden, those other guys just, they're gone instantly. Yeah. And you think, well, what happened there? And they've literally just flew down upon these people. And this isn't like the uh, Dracula, like, you know, I'm going to turn you away from the camera mm-hmm. and I want people to just infer I'm biting you on the neck. These guys will like literally rip your scalp off. 
they, they go at <laughs> and it. their scenes. Yeah, this is yeah. A, a really bloody scene, and 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 it's not like I'm just doing this because I'm hungry. They enjoy what they're doing. Yeah, and so there was a lot of like ferociousness to to the Lost Boys. We're, uh, we're past the point of worrying about them censoring us for saying vampires are real <laughs> at this point. No, right? not not when you're holding a scalp in one hand <laughs> and you're like laughing diabolically, you know, as you're yeah, doing it. No, uh, that's kind of end of censorship. Right. At yeah. that Point. Uh, the scene I most remember is whenever there's kind of all the vampires are gathered and they're sitting around and they're eating like some kind of Chinese oh, yeah. takeout yep, food yep. or something. And and the one guy gets it and he starts eating and, uh, you know, the vampire looks at him and he's like, uh, how are you enjoying those maggots, Michael? And uh, he's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And then he looks down and he, it looks like he's eating maggots. Sure enough. He's yeah. like, oh, gosh. And he, he throws yep. it down and then it turns back into rice. And then they give him something else and he's it's like worms, but it's really actually just noodles. Right. But then like the third thing they give him is like this bottle of blood right. type substance. And he actually drinks that because he thinks, well, they've just been goofing on me and, and this the, whole the, time. And the girl says, Michael, stop. That's blood. She tries to stop him yeah. for real. Yeah. And she's, and he goes like, sure it is. Whatever. <laughs> but the vampires in the Lost Boys are depicted as wearing leather pants, dark black jackets, earrings, <laughs> stylish 80s era uh, haircuts, just spiky, long gelled hair. I mean, right. they're really going for like a, a teen angsty kind, oh, yeah. of, kind yeah. of thing. The vampires in the story are clearly the boys next door and don't bear any resemblance whatsoever to early depictions of, of vampires in no. cinema. They're they're just their own they were, entity. They were basically like 80s rockers who, <laughs> who just happened to be vampires, yeah. right? It's almost like the 80s theme. I mean, I know it was made in the 80s, right. but it's almost like even when you watched in the 80s, you would think, this is so 80s. Sure. <laughs> even when you're watching it in the 80s. I don't know. It just it sounds funny, but I, for me, that's true somehow. That's, that's how it feels. Absolutely. Right. Well, Jason, I've noticed that there is a strange figure floating outside our window. I'm going to go ahead and invite that person in and while we do that let's take a quick break what could go wrong hey everyone we're happy to announce that the podcast now has a merchandise store shannon everyone loves hoodies and everyone loves coffee yeah and you can pick up a nice slapdash hoodie or a slapdash mug and drink your next cup of joe right out of a slapdash cup (laughs) we also have t-shirts and stickers yeah we do so come on by and log on to www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store that's www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. Welcome back to the show. Today we are discussing the history of vampires in film. Our next vampire flick is Near Dark, which came out in 1987, which I think was the same year as The Lost Boys, right? Uh, that's correct. I think so. 1987. Yeah. And these two movies have, have some, uh, some uh, similarities as well. Uh, this movie has a semi-cult following, as it did not uh, do great at the box office, but really became popular shortly thereafter. Basically, the movie is about a group of nomadic vampires that drive around killing people. Uh, and again, just doing what vampires do. Uh, these vampires are not your aristocrat vampires. Uh, these cats are wild and just simply out of control. Mm-hmm. They kill just to kill. Sometimes they even kill with the uh, spur on their boots. <laughs> Sometimes it's not even their bare hands or, or their teeth. Uh, these are these are vampires, but they're also murderers. And somehow yeah. there's there's a little bit of a difference there. But I think these uh, fit in both categories. They make you miss the aristocrat a little bit, just the finesse, right? right? Because uh, as we said, they they sort of have <laughs> had a little bit of a decorum about them. They, they were gentlemanly killers, but these guys, not so much. Not these guys. If if, uh, if Bella Lugosi walked in, he'd be like, oh, crap, I've got to go. <laughs> yeah, no, peace out, fellas, I'm yeah. out. Yeah. I, I want him to be my neighbor, not these guys. That's if, right. If I had yeah. to pick, yeah. Uh, and an interesting point, the word vampire is never used in this movie. Uh, it's as if in this world that we are watching, the idea of a vampire doesn't even exist. In one scene of the movie, one of the uh, one of the vampires asks, what are we? I mean, he sees himself, you know, they're, they're killing people, right? And they're, they're drinking blood. And, and he says, what are we? And then one of the other vampires answers, I don't know what we are. Mm. And he says it like in a very philosophical way. Like he, he really don't know what's going on. You know, so it's well, almost smacked like, him upside the head. So we're vampires, Mike. Come on now. <laughs> what what it, are we doing? Out isn't here? it pretty clear? You look like a bat. You're flying around. You right. know. Yeah. Hey, I think we're all vampires. Uh, all in all, the the movie Near Dark is a very, very bloody and brutal take 
on vampires. You know, they, they basically just kind of walk into this bar and annihilate everybody in there. They do so in horrendous fashion and they're just kind of walking around. Right. And th- there, there's also sort of a sense of how long they've been around. Yeah. Like, uh, I think one of the characters says, you know, like, you know, Hey Johnny, you know, do you remember that fire we set in Chicago? You know, talking about the great Chicago fire, oh. like in 1871. And there's a couple of more lines, you know, there, there's a reference to, to one of them fighting the civil war. And uh, so, you know, there, there's some there's some, you know, sort of playful things there, too. But mm. but Near Dark is is actually an interesting vampire movie, because, again, in 1987, this, this came out right around the same time as Lost Boys. And it kind of had just a different feel. Right. This definitely right. was not Bella Lugosi. This wasn't even the guy next door, even like Jerry and Fright Night. He tried to appear normal. Yeah. These guys aren't joking about anything. They're not attempting to be normal in any shape, form, or fashion. It's just like, this is our world. Why hide out? It's we just, do whatever we want to do. Yeah, we're, it's just, just a, a big ball of death rolling down the highway all the time. And <laughs> and they're not you know trying to uh, pretend for, for anyone. So that was Near Dark, a very interesting movie. So Shannon, what do you got next? So I have a remake of one of the classics we've talked about. This is Bram Stoker's Dracula, which was created oh, yeah. in 1992. Have you seen yep. this one? Very good movie. Good movie. Very good take. Bram Stoker's Dracula is a 1992 gothic horror film based again on the 1897 novel Dracula by Bram Stoker. And apparently a lot of these vampire movies draw reference from that book. If you haven't read that book, go read it. You need to. If you have even a uh, passing interest in, in this particular topic, it is the, it's what everything draws its roots from. But this movie stars Gary Oldman as Count Dracula, Winona Ryder as Mina Harker, Anthony Hopkins from Silence of the Lambs as Professor Van Helsing. I love Anthony Hopkins. I do too. He's great. And Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker. And of, of, of that entire cast, it, it sounds fun. It's, it's a cool, very cool cast. Man, Keanu Reeves, he, he, he has good movies. He's not a great actor in this one. I mean, he just... He does what he can, but what do you mean, Shannon? Shannon? <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Keanu Reeves, I think, in real life is supposed to be like a very, He's very to be a great guy, wonderful, Super good great guy. guy. But yeah, but he didn't necessarily. You know, they all can't be winners, right? Yeah. And so he didn't like hit it out of the park on this one. But it's okay because you know he made some money in in, in the, the Matrix franchise. I was, yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. So I don't he didn't okay. ever like knocked it out of the park with his acting. It's right. it's a good thing the Matrix was just such an interesting concept. <laughs> you know, it's pretty good. But Count Dracula. Dracula in this particular story is a 15th century prince. He is condemned to live off the blood of the living for eternity, the classic vampire story. Young lawyer Jonathan Harker is sent to Dracula's castle to finalize a land deal because vampires, man, <laughs> they, they need their acreage, Jason, in, to, in equal portion to blood. They wants need their to acreage. buy some land. <laughs> but when the Count sees a photo of Harker's fiance, Mina, the spitting image of his dead wife, Dracula imprisons Harker and sets off for London to track Mina down, just like in Nosferatu, right? Yep. Because Nosferatu definitely wasn't a ripoff of Dracula, <laughs> uh, except it was. But uh, vampires are depicted in this film in an interesting way. The film's central vampire, which is Count Dracula, is depicted as an older man with a white hair wrapped on top of his head into two buns. Do you remember this? Yeah. That is the strangest hairdo I've ever seen it's in my so life. I, I almost I, can't take him seriously. I mean, that that must have been like common for maybe that time period in, in that part of the world because I'll be quite honest, I've not ever seen that hairdo ever. on any other person in yeah. any time period on earth. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like it's two man buns. I mean, yeah. one man bun I, I could get, I could roll with that. But literally, he's he's kind of got like Mickey Mouse ears yeah. on top of his head, rolled up with just gray white hair. It just all it almost doesn't make sense to me when no. he's walking around being as menacing as he is. And Gary Oldman does a fantastic oh, yeah. job as Dracula here. He's so convincing, so compelling. But that wig, man, it's just for me. I don't know. I, I don't, don't know if, what they were going for. I don't know if the uh, the wig truck just didn't show up that day or, or what <laughs> that was the only thing they had i don't know <laughs> quick other than that good movie yeah wrap up two rolls and uh put them on top <laughs> of his head stick him on gary's head <laughs> i wonder uh so this movie came out in 92 i wonder if they took any inspiration from princess leia because that's exactly <laughs> kind of what's going on yeah, there. sort of yeah yeah so dracula in this movie wears blood red garments which includes a flowing red cloak that trails behind him as he walks and that kind of put me off too a little bit i mean it's cool it makes sense in a dramatic I'm this awesome vampire lord yeah. sort of way. But at the same time, it's like he's dragging this 15-foot cloak 
behind him and it just yeah. i don't know how it just practical is that natural. right it's very yeah. impractical yeah. so jason that leads us up to our next film just a couple of years later uh one of the cooler vampire movies came out in 1994 interview with the vampire which of course was based on the Anne rice novel and i did not realize that that novel was written i think like in 75 or 76 really that blew me away. I thought that mo- the book was written like in the early 90s or late 80s. Yeah. It was like, I think like mid-70s is when the, the book was written. Oh, uh, that's interesting. No, yeah. I didn't, didn't realize that. Uh, this this movie had uh, had big-time star power, including Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, a young Kirsten Dunst, Christian Slater, and Antonio Banderas. That's kind oh, of an man. all-star cast for a vampire movie here. That's pretty good. Uh, the movie focuses on a vampire named Lestat, played by Cruise, who turns another man named Louis into a vampire. Uh, Louis, of course, is played by Brad Pitt. The movie just shows the lives of these two ageless vampires throughout the centuries. Uh, You have Lestat, who is all too willing to kill, even when blood is not needed. And then you have Louis, who is very reluctant to do so. It's a really cool storyline, but it offers more of a uh, day-to-day like lifestyle of the vampire. You know, obviously there are they, they are there are murders, but the vampire focus, but the movie rather focuses on more than just that. Uh, it examines what vampires think about over time and how they adapt to an ever-changing culture. And one thing I think is really interesting about that movie is that you see how their their clothes change. And so the, I think the movie starts like in like I think seventeen. 91 I, I believe I'm correct and it goes all the way up through through the 90s modern day right and obviously you know decades go by sometimes before they like flash to the next scene and you can tell their hair their their hairstyle changes their clothing changes of course all of a sudden you know now we have uh you know the uh model t car mm-hmm. and, then, and then we're seeing airplanes and then and it's it's really interesting to kind of see sort of the conversations that they have and kind of their their talk and their sort of perspective like on just culture and politics in the sure. world but all the while they just continue just to to kill countless of people you know, over the years uh but that's a really interesting movie to me because i think that i think that might if if, if vampires were real i think that might be what it would really be like in a way, you know what I mean? That you know, they they're very careful about hiding who they are, right? Uh, and they just live forever, right? And mm-hmm. it's just interesting because I think if you live for that long, you would have so many things happen, obviously, in your life, and you could think back and you'd be like, you know, as as we would think back, like, man, remember twenty fifteen? Well, they would think, hey, remember eighteen fifteen? Right. And it's so weird, but but for whatever reason, I, I just thought that movie, this this particular movie, really worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, had great acting, so I thought it was I thought it was a really good one. I really enjoyed this one. It had a follow up too called Queen of the Damned. It did. Seen that yeah, one? I have seen that one. And I think in that one, the vampire Lestat is a rock star. Yeah, in like modern day. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's it's, kind of interesting it's a little bit too. different take, but it's also an interesting movie. Yeah. yeah, it is. So Jason, the last one I have is a movie called Twilight. Have you heard oh. of Twilight? Twilight, Twilight. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. You mean the major motion picture, girls <laughs> screaming everywhere. Stephanie Meyer, twenty billion books sold. That Twilight. Yeah, that's okay. Got gotcha. you. That, that's what we're right. talking about. Twilight is a two thousand eight romantic fantasy film based on Stephanie Meyer's two thousand five novel of the same name. Uh, in the plot, a high school student named Bella Swan, played by Kristen Stewart, always a bit of a misfit, doesn't expect life to change much when she moves from sunny Arizona to rainy Washington State. And Jason, there's a reason it's always Uh-oh. raining in in uh, Forks. I think is the name of the, yeah. the town there. Uh, then she meets Edward Cullen, played by Robert Pattinson, a handsome but mysterious teen whose eyes seem to peer directly into her soul. Edwards is a vampire whose family does not drink blood, and Bella, far from being frightened, enters into a dangerous romance with her immortal soulmate. <laughs> Man, you just man. tell from that description, this isn't Fright Night. Is that like right off the, you know, where's Jerry? <laughs> I need Jerry to come over and, and uh, kind of spice this party up a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. There's a big this difference. This is too lovey-dovey. Uh, Jerry and Edward Cole. <laughs> it's a apparently. quick, I need me a scalp removed. Come over here. <laughs> but you're right, man. This was just like the event of the century. I don't know. Oh, my You remember Lord. when these things were coming out? There's like four or five of them, I think. I mean, I would see like girls at like a, in the bookstore in Walmart just like weep when they were buying the books. You know, like, like they just couldn't get them quick enough. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, probably in terms of uh, books to movie in that time period, that, that time frame, uh, Twilight, 
followed, I guess, by the Hunger Games. Yeah. It's probably the two. Well, then obviously Harry Potter is bigger than, than all that. Sure. But besides Harry Potter, mm-hmm. I think Twilight and the Hunger Games, you know, kind of go hand in hand in, in my mind a little bit. They I mean, do. As far as like just, you know, around uh, that time period. Adaptations from book to, to movies. But yeah, Twilight, how, how can you have a, a, a top 10 vampire, you know, movie list without talking about Twilight? Sure. Yeah. So the vampires in this movie are depicted as teens with moody and brooding eyes and skin that sparkles like glitter when exposed to sunlight. We're, we're a far cry from the vampires who just burst into flames just, and just ah, die. Yeah. And we have to censor their moaning cries of anguish. We're at a new point in the world. <laughs> like, you know, if, if the light, you know, if the light hits me, I, I just, I just shine. I just get purtier. <laughs> it's kind of like what uh, uh, my oldest daughter, she'll go around singing this. I forgot what cartoon it's off of. It's a Disney, yeah. I think, movie, but it's, it's this like uh, some kind of sea creature fish, and he goes, or maybe it's a turtle. It's something, mm-hmm. and he just goes, "I want to be shiny." Oh man, that's a that's from Moana. Is that what it is? Yeah, okay, it so you is. know what I'm talking the, the about. The big crab guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anytime I ever see Twilight and I see that scene where they're all, <laughs> all I want to be shiny. <laughs> I sparkle like a diamond in the rough. <laughs> I love that song. To be fair, that song to me is better than Twilight, but that's, that's it is just pre- from a, it is a pretty good song. You know, a 30 something year old man's yep. perspective. So. <laughs> But, uh, you know, in this this particular movie, the faces of the vampires are very pale. I mean, that's one thing it's got yeah. going for it. I mean, these guys are... They look dead. They sure look <laughs> dead, except for their lips. They're stained pink or red, which gives them all, even the men, sort of a feminine appearance. Yeah. Did, did you feel Somehow, that way yeah. at all? It's a pretty cool storyline. I mean, I can see why you would get interested in it, right? I mean, it has vampires, and then and all of a sudden, hey, now we have werewolves. Sure. And we all love this girl, and, you know, and we're just a family. We're not really bad but maybe we're kind of bad and you know i can see why it would just be so popular Mm -hmm. i remember uh there's a couple scenes that stand out to me one is whenever they first meet each other like they're like in some kind of chemistry lab or something and they Mm -hmm. get assigned to be partners in in at the high school and i just remember edward's like kind of like repulsed by her it almost seems that way yeah yeah but but we find out later that he's just the sin of her blood is so sweet it's intoxicating to him and he doesn't know what to do about it. So he just kind of manifests that by being this, he almost acts like she smells bad. Right. <laughs> He's kind of cringing away from her a little bit. There's that scene. And then the second one I remember because the first film must've been a little bit more low budget, but there's the scene where like Bella hops on his back and he's like climbing a tree or something, and they're playing like this music montage. But and he's just sort of running through. He's like running through the forest. It's like forest. he's on a treadmill, and and the and the trees just going by him. Right? <laughs> yeah. But he's like, he's like climbing the tree at one point, and it doesn't look like physically. You know how you would think you would kind of grapple with it, and your body would move one way and then another. It's just like he's being pulled up by an invisible rope, and he's just flailing his arms. You know, it's it doesn't awesome. look like he's even connecting with the tree at all. Right. But that always stood out to me. It, While it physics get in the way yeah it doesn't matter but jason what's our very last uh, topic for conversation here so our last movie is also one of my favorites and it's actually a swedish film called let the right one in oh, which, yeah. which debuted in 2008 and later there was an american version called let me in in 2010 both movies are essentially the same you have a 12 year old boy named oscar who is getting bullied at school but lucky for him a vampire moved into his apart- apartment complex good for him the <laughs> How lucky can you be? The vampire is about the same age, 12 or 13, and her name is Ellie. Uh, the story revolves around their friendship and the fact that Ellie ends up taking up for Oscar and killing his tormentors. Mm. And so they, you know, the, basically the whole storyline is that they just build this friendship, right? That they kind of meet out uh, at night in this jungle gym when there's snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why do you not have shoes? I was going to say, she's like barefoot. She's and it's like negative. Yeah, and she's outside. just like totally like, hey, what's what's going on, you know? And then, and obviously, as time goes on, he begins to see that she's somehow a little bit different, you know. And uh, to me, the, uh, this this is a really scary one because again, a neighbor moves in, mm-hmm. right? And we always see vampires as generally these you know, grown men that are just, you know, something's just kind of creepy about them and they're super strong or, or whatever. And then in this case, we have like a 12 or 13 year old girl and she's just sort of walking around and she seems almost like a, like a badger or something like how she attacks people in this movie. And it's really gruesome. And one of the saddest scenes, if, if, if you've seen this movie, right? You oh said, yeah. 
So you know she has a caretaker uh, that everyone thinks is 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 her father. Right. But basically, he's much older than her. Oh, much older. Yeah, like thirty years old or something probably. And and so you know, or by appearance, he is. Yeah. Who know? Yeah. Who, who knows? Who really knows? Yeah. yeah. But uh, so basically, his job is just to go out and and get people for her, right? And yeah. he he kills them and brings the blood or brings them or whatever. Basically, he's he makes sure she is kept stock in, in blood, right? And so that's his whole reason to live is just to kind of support her and, and and bring that back and there's a scene in the movie where uh these kids see him they mm-hmm. see him like hiding a body i think or something along those lines and they run off and, and he knows that he can't get them all right right and so he's scared that he's going to be identified and so rather he gets identified and then leads the police to the girl he pours acid on his face i know so so they can't identify to protect her to protect her and then obviously he goes in the hospital you know he's there he's basically on his deathbed and then the girl shows up that night yeah and he just sort of turns his neck and offers like i mean he spent his whole life trying to protect her and then and then even as he's dying he's like here take my blood Mm -hmm. and she does Yep. You know, and then that's it. And that's sort of how his life ends. But uh, if if you've not seen this movie, the, there's a really interesting kind of way how it ends. Mm-hmm. And so I, I won't I won't give that away. But uh, this is this is definitely a top ten, probably a top five for me. Uh, what, what did you think about it? This movie's terrifying. I mean, not just because it, it it has gore and stuff like that, and obviously that's always a big draw for modern scary right. movies. I'm more interested in the suspense and the underlying plot. Right. And I feel like of all these movies, this one has the strongest, most original plot. Because as you said, it's yes. like a 12, 13-year-old girl and not Bella Lugosi up on the hill. Right. It's just your, it's just somebody literally you could pass on the street and just see absolutely as harmless, but they can tear your throat out yeah. and likely has done so yep. throughout the years. Yeah, there's there's a cool twisty kind of ending, so we won't we won't spoil that, but this is definitely one to see for yeah. sure. And Shannon, you know, there's also other movies and franchises that we haven't even talked about tonight. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Blade, and yeah. then even even little kitty cartoons, uh, Vampirina. Scooby-Doo meets Dracula, one of my favorites. Hot- Sh- Shaggy turns into a werewolf. <laughs> he does. That's why I call him Shaggy. That's right. Uh, Hotel Transylvania. Yep. You know, so there, there are also, I mean, basically vampires are everywhere right here to stay they're in cartoons movies uh they're they're there for for all ages for all eternity right yep uh and i will mention one other movie in in closing here uh it's a really interesting uh vampire uh, film that i watched it it came out in 2014 i had never heard of this Mm -hmm. and in preparing for this episode uh, i actually saw this uh, show up on two or three lists and the name of the movie is a girl walks home alone at night Hmm. Okay, a girl walks home alone at night. Kind of has a poetic little yeah. ring to it. It's amazing you can get a whole movie out of that. It's, yeah, because she she does walk home at she night several, home several times. Slowly, but things happen, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's a uh, it's a even though it came out in 2014, it's a black and white film, and it's based in Iran. Mm. Uh, has a uh, an Iranian director. Very interesting storyline. It kind of has a little bit of. A little bit of Lost Boys mm-hmm. and a little and, and a cross of like uh, Let the Right One In. Okay, it's kind of a little bit of a cross with that. Uh, it's it, it's I highly recommend it. it's 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 an interesting movie. Very cool, man. Yep. Well, any any final words on vampires in cinema? I mean, I think we've covered some of the bigger ones. Certainly. Is there anything else we left out? I don't think so. I mean, I'm you know I have my steaks ready. Yeah, I, me too. I need to go buy Kroger, pick up some garlic, you have some holy water. Uh, yeah, I can stop by stop by somewhere and have someone bless it real quick, and all right, be ready to go. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan. Thanks all of our listeners. Please subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us with the handle at Slapdash Pod, and we will catch you in the very next episode. Blah 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 blah. blah.